thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hello there, lovely listeners. Thank you for joining us on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And you can find us on social media. We are The Wellness Women on Facebook. On Instagram, we are at The Wellness Women Official. Dr. Ash is Dr. Ashley Bond on everything. I am The Period Whisperer on Facebook and Dr. Andrea.xo on Instagram. And I think this episode is going to be a little bit more upbeat than last time. And we are going to talk today about a very nice uh, specific women's health concern and obviously up to 90% of women in their lifetime are likely to experience this. And today we're talking about premenstrual syndrome. So PMS, as we all like to uh, hear it referred to, because somehow we kind of get off the hook, isn't it? When we are having a bad day, oh, it's just PMS. You know, we get to eat more chocolate and have a rant and, uh, you know, have a, have a snap at our spouse. And, you know, it seems like we, we get kind of get off the hook, don't we, when we can blame PMS. <laughs> I think that men also blame PMS for everything too, don't oh, you think? Absolutely. I think <laughs> I think if you're just having a bad day for any reason, regardless of where you are in your cycle, it's like, oh, their default mechanism, oh, I must be PMS. <laughs> yeah, it's hormones. Maybe I'm hormonal. And it's funny, um, in practice as well, Ash, if the partners ever say, oh, you know, they get quite bad PMS, they'll usually say it from the corner of the room or they'll say it as they're backing out of the room as if to, you know, not stir up the beast. <laughs> 
Have you oh, noticed that? 100%. It's quite funny. Or it's like the, you know, they get really bad parents. No, I don't. <laughs> the defensive mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> defensive partner. I guess, you know, it's important to realize, ladies, that yes, it's incredibly common and it's a combination of both emotional and physical symptoms, you know, in response to changes in hormones through your menstrual cycle. And, you know, the hallmark, you know, I think for most people when they think of PMS is that irritability, um, <laughs> you know, that sort of a mood fluctuation. Um, certainly, you know, for a lot of women, they feel a bit down or a bit anxious. You know, there's co- common uh, to feel a little bit more depressed or sad or you know, just quite quite emotional um, in regards to the changes. And then you've got the physical symptoms as well, and that includes any number of things such as fluid retention. You know, a lot of women feel bloated and like they're holding fluid. Um, they often feel, you know, breast tenderness and some swelling around the the chest t- tissue so you know, just feeling quite you know sore and sensitive um what else ash we very got? descriptively just felt her chest when she said yeah, that i was like oh yeah but yeah, all yeah, women yeah. do that don't they <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it's like oh no no they're fine tonight great um skin problems is another big one isn't it the breakouts and the acne and um you know a lot of them then that feeds back into the emotional symptoms of feeling crappy and down and um, irritated and all the rest. And, of course, you know, for a lot of women as well, it's sort of marked by some tiredness. There's often a little bit of fatigue around that time. You know, um, PMS is something that they associate with feeling crappy and feeling yuck and feeling tired and food cravings and, you know, just all those things. So you kind of have that great mental picture of, you know, a woman sitting on the couch looking completely miserable eating a tub of ice cream. Um, you know, it's that kind of that kind of classic uh, media image of, of a woman with PNS. But we know that, you know, even though a lot of women experience it, there are also a lot of women who don't. So, you know, if it was to be considered normal, everyone would have it right. But the reality is it's not normal. It's just common. And that doesn't necessarily make it normal. I think that's such an important um, distinguishing factor as well, because all of those signs and symptoms are like, you know, some of them are very vague. You can put them down to a whole bunch of different things, even just having a bad day. But when it's cyclical in nature and when sometimes for some women it can be quite dramatic and, you know, we're not necessarily talking about, um, you know, that uh, PMDD, that premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is that very severe version of this that really involves very clinical signs of depression and anxiety that sort of happen um, classically after ovulation with severe hormonal changes but still with the PMS it's it's cyclical it's um can be sometimes um you know like women will describe it like the clouds descend they'll be fine for the first two weeks of the month they'll ovulate and then with the change in hormones and with the imbalance that happens after that that's when they get all of those symptoms that happen and um women can feel like they're losing the plot as well because one minute they'll be crying watching you know a commercial on tv then they're screaming at the kids um, or they've got that really short fuse and they feel out of control with those moods and emotions too. And I'm sure when we've covered PMS specifically on other episodes, so if you haven't listened to that, please go back and do so because this topic is going to be a little bit more specific tonight. But on that episode, we also discussed how women consume like 275% more carbohydrates so more sugar in you know the week preceding their period this is when cravings are like much higher and this is where your willpower is out the window as well which is so funny uh so yeah ladies everybody you know has experienced it at some point or another to varying degrees 
But remember, it's not normal. Part of this picture is a hormonal imbalance. Uh, so when things are smooth sailing, when things are nice and balanced, you shouldn't be feeling this big fluctuation. And remember, a normal cycle is no symptoms. Yes. Well, I think a lot of women almost laugh at you there and go, yeah, right. Ha <laughs> ha. That's a unicorn woman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I hear all the time, especially when I'm doing my secret women's business workshops and I'm talking about normal periods and no symptoms. Seriously, the women sit there with their mouths gaping open going, that is not possible. Like this doesn't happen. And I can tell you right now that it absolutely does. It's easy. It happens. Um, oh, actually, I, I shouldn't say it's easy because people might get a little bit offended or annoyed when I say that, but it is absolutely possible to have balanced hormones so that you don't have these big mood fluctuations or any other hormonal imbalance symptom. Um, so it, it is just a process of getting things right, figuring out what those signs and symptoms are that your body's telling us, and then just fixing it accordingly. So for a lot of women, PMS can be the result of elevated estrogen, so that estrogen excess relative to lower progesterone. Um, usually there's some inflammatory stuff that goes along with that as well. There can be some thyroid dysfunction too. There can also be some iodine deficiency if we're getting lots of that breast swelling and tenderness too. Um, I think that's a little bit of an advanced class, more so than what we need to go into tonight. But all of these things is kind of that picture that you might be looking at with classic PMS symptoms. Yeah, and there's just so many things that, um, you know, when we look at the medical model of it, often I know that um, clients have been told that PMS is considered normal and really the causes are unknown, but we know that there's so much more to it than that, that's, you know, stress responses, lifestyle factors, mm -hmm. internal chemistry, like there's just so many other aspects of this. And we kind of got triggered to record this episode tonight because, um, you know, Andrea came across a research paper. So give us the rundown on what that was all about. And that's why we wanted to get quite specific tonight as well, ladies, because um, I know that for a lot of patients, when it comes to managing P PMS, usually it's fairly simple. Like for most people, we usually see complete turnaround in symptomatology with good, con um, consistent change after that, usually within a maximum of about three months when it comes to these sorts of things. It's usually a fairly easy thing to, to change. But for you sitting at home, maybe you have made some, you know, dietary and lifestyle changes already. Maybe you've, you know, been listening to the podcast um, for a while. You already understand the normal sort of um, targeted lifestyle changes that we normally talk about that will help improve this symptomatology. But maybe you haven't had significant enough change yet. So we wanted to talk about some new research that's coming out that's showing the link between vitamin D deficiencies and PMS. Um, and I think that this is just presenting some really another fascinating side of things um, that is certainly worth considering. And once I found this study that, that just has been published recently, I then went and had a good, you know, look through the backlog of stuff. And there's actually quite a few papers that is very consistent with this. It's high level evidence. Um, even in the Cochrane Review, they, they talk a lot about vitamin D deficiency in PMS. So this is well substantiated science as well. Um, and classically, we think of vitamin D as being, you know, we use it for strong bones and it's important for calcium and that sort of stuff. But a lot of people don't actually have a proper understanding of what vitamin D does. Now, that is an entire podcast episode all unto itself, which we will absolutely record and we'll go through. And we'll really go through the ins and outs of it because it is so 
um, it's so broad and so, but also so intricate. And the effect that it has on the body is incredible from your thyroid hormones to, you know, obviously bone strength, like, you know, vitamin D deficiencies is also related to the formation of rickets, so bone deformities, um, which is why, you know, vitamin D is part of usually should be part of routine chemistry and testing. Um, but we're going to talk tonight about the role it has in PMS and some things to look out for. Um, so uh, when I was talking to um, Ash about this, so what the research found was that and in a couple of these different studies, so vitamin D has this crucial role in female hormone reproduction. So part of the reason we know that is because there are receptors for, so little, um, almost like antennas on the outside of cells for vitamin D in ovarian tissue, which means that there's a place for vitamin D in that tissue. So it's obviously needed there for a reason. Um, there's vitamin D receptors in the endometrium, fallopian tubes, um, the placenta, and all sorts of things like that. So obviously it has a role to play in reproductive you know, organs. Otherwise there wouldn't be receptors there for it in the first place. We also know that there's an inverse relationship between vitamin D and prostaglandin. So remember, ladies, um, if you've listened to the podcast episode that we've done on period pain, when prostaglandins are high, we have more essentially pain. So it's one of those pain chemical pathways. So if we've got good vitamin D levels, we also have a lot of those pain chemicals under control in the first place, which means that we're also controlling that inflammation. So if you think about a typical PMS woman who has, you know, the bloating, the swelling, the fluid retention, maybe even the weight gain. So for some women, they can gain up to two kilos just in that um, kind of premenstrual zone. And it's not actual physical body fat that they're put on. It's just that fluid retention as well. So it looks like that vitamin D has a role in that in terms of just managing um, inflammatory changes. So we know that it does have that crucial role in female reproduction and possibly because of the effect it has on calcium, you know, homeostasis and those sorts of things, but also just in the cyclical nature of our sex steroid hormones and how they change, it looks like it helps to affect the regulation of that and it also affects our neurotransmitters too. Now, there's a very strong um, role or link between vitamin D, um, I guess, intake or vitamin D sufficiency in our body and thyroid function too. And poor thyroid function, usually there's a, a much stronger involvement with PMS and vice versa too. So it's all kind of interlinked and um, it's, you know, it's everything is connected to everything else. And I think that's just part of the beauty of the body is that we can't look at it in this reductionistic way because everything is so connected. Um, some of the research also showed that there is a relationship between vitamin D intake and if it's adequate, it reduces the risk of depression, which we know is part of a PMS kind of picture. Also fibromyalgia, so you know, complex regional pain syndromes type thing, um, uterine fibroids, dysmenorrhea or painful periods, um, and a whole host of other things as well. Um, so what they found is that looking at the vitamin D levels of in one of the studies was in adolescent girls and they took about 900 adolescent girls, looked at their vitamin D scores, looked at what their symptoms of PMS were as well as whether or not they were having dysmenorrhea so or painful periods and that they found if they increased their vitamin, in, vitamin D intake to 50,000 international units a week 
over nine weeks, which is about 7,000 IU a day, which is quite a lot. It's like high dosing, um, but that was safe to do. If they increased that for nine weeks, it had a really positive effect on their PMS symptoms, their pain, their period pain, and as well, so not just the physical symptoms of PMS, but the psychological ones as well. Um, so I think that that's how they figured out that there may be that link between vitamin D and neurotransmitter function or happy brain chemicals too. Um, and I just think that that's really fascinating because in our current lifestyle, we're certainly discouraged from having sun exposure. Um, so, yeah, Ash, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, how awesome is that to pick up on a, I want to say a single individual supplementation pathway that could make such a massive difference? Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of people, you can dabble in lots of different things. You know, I know there's so many women taking a bag full of supplements every single day, but um, isn't it nice if you could simplify it and just say, you know, let's go with this as a starting point um, and see if that helps to regulate and modulate change in your symptomology. That I mean, that's really awesome. And the reality is that, you know, well, Australia's burning and, you know, we're in a state mm. of drought. So we're, we've got no shortage of sunshine, but we have a global epidemic of vitamin D deficiency. You know, it's not just Australia-wide, it's, it's internationally. So it's not uncommon for us to be seeing more and more conditions connecting back to uh, vitamin D deficiency. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I it was, thought it was really interesting to see that study that also, you know, noted that women with the PMS have lower serum levels of vitamin D um, compared to normal control. So it's not an out-of-the-blue concept there. It's, it's quite, you know, <laughs> obvious to see that women who were having troubles with PMS were also clearly in that phase of deficiency um, in contrast to women who weren't. So it's absolutely one amazing you know, pathway to dive down if you have experienced PMS or if you're experiencing PMS and haven't addressed things like vitamin D deficiency, Mm -hmm. Um, not to mention all the other, you know, benefits, just simplistically, it could be even something simple as just ongoing sort of tiredness and fatigue can be improved by, you know, enhancing vitamin D levels. Uh, So it may not just be, you know, the PMS that you resolve with an increased dose of vitamin D. There's a lot of other things that can be benefited from from increased vitamin D. So I love as well the impact it has on inflammation, you know, just the fact yes. that it's a, you know, an, an anti-inflammatory essentially. Um, and, you know, that again comes down to our highly oxidative stressful lifestyle, you know, generating a lot of inflammation. I mean, we, we talk about it quite often when we refer to the brain, um, you know, the brain's on fire, like we literally are having a, an epidemic of brain conditions that come down to inflammation in the brain tissue. So anything that can help us modulate inflammation in the body, reduce inflammation is a massive health benefit, you know, not just a PMS benefit here. So, um, yeah, mm. I think, you know, they're saying to see vitamin D as a bit of an unsung hero, aren't they, in, in a lot of different conditions, but it's wonderful that they have gone down the pathway of women's health-specific research here to have a look and see what it could be doing for women with uh, PMS and the effect it has on the brain function as well, which I think is really cool. And the usage of it is pretty safe. And statistically, half the world, half the people in the world are vitamin D deficient. Mm-hmm. So surely, you know, it's it's something that's worth looking at. Um, 
I know in Australia there's a little bit of controversy around vitamin D testing um, and, yes, it is covered by Medicare. Um, usually they'll do it once in a 12-month period is my understanding of it um, and I definitely think it's worthwhile and uh, I, um, I definitely do not have any um, uh, fear of going out in the sun. As you can see, I probably get a little bit too much sun exposure but my vitamin D levels are excellent as well. So you absolutely can get it from safe sun exposure um, and that might differ for everybody uh, usually it needs to be within that peak of the day um, so between 10 a.m to 2 p.m um, usually when we've classically been told to stay away from the sun as much as physically possible but let's also be sensible about it we're not going to lather ourselves in sunscreen and get that false sense of security and stay out there for the entire day so we want as much skin exposure in the sun as possible so you know in the nude in your backyard without burning. <laughs> um, I think that's really, really important. And there are also some really great apps that you can use too. Um, so there's one called D Timer. Oh, is it D Timer or D Primer? I'm just going to have a look um, because what you can do is you can put in where it's D Minder. Sorry, I was totally off. D Minder. And you can put in geographically where you're located. And the app helps to show you when is your best time for optimal sun exposure, optimal vitamin D absorption or um, production without, you know, going too far. And so it's keeping that sun exposure really, really safe. Um, the other thing is you can get vitamin D from foods too. And so I would certainly, before you go supplementing, um, I would certainly suggest let's make sure that we get our sun exposure correct um, just because there's so many unbelievable benefits of that. Um, and also, just making sure that your diet is rich in, you know, your vitamin D um, sources as well, which is things like salmon, your oily fish, herring, sardines, cod liver oil is a really excellent um, source, uh, egg yolks. Um, if dairy or soy says it has vitamin D, it's because it's been fortified with it, so it's been added in. Um, chicken does have a bit and beef liver and pork as well. Um, so those are just some sources that you can also look for. Very cool. So, ladies, I hope that, um, you know, that's brought out a bit of, uh, you know, like an aha there, like, oh, how about that? Vitamin D is kind of more important than we realise. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've even certainly, I mean, you probably have the same thing in your practice as well, Andrea, seen people who are, I want to say, really well tanned that are still D deficient. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of different reasons why someone can have D deficiency. And just because you've got olive skin or dark skin doesn't necessarily make you D sufficient. Um, yeah, so, correct. you know, it's still important to test for your vitamin D levels because there's a couple of different pathways by which your body doesn't produce adequate amounts of vitamin D or doesn't utilize the um, endogenous, your self-made vitamin D. So it is it is good to test, I think, um, because you can't take for granted that your skin color alone, you know, <laughs> ensures that you're rich in vitamin D. Um, obviously, I'm quite fair. So the idea that, you know, I go out in the high sun for too long is... Um, something I, I limit. So, you know, maximum mm. about 10 minutes exposure for, you know, a good part of my body. So probably shoulders exposed, arms exposed and, you know, legs exposed, face and neck and shoulders. And that just, that I know that that's or classically been, definitely been enough for me. And I've always had pretty, um, effective vitamin D levels. And I think it was really yeah, interesting awesome. to see as well, because, you know, we talk about this on a PMS, um, discussion but leading up for women who are looking at you know conception and pregnancy it's a really important thing that your vitamin d levels are adequate too so yes. yeah you know this is you know because a lot of them you know when they talk about 
PMS. It's also in relationship to fertility and, you know, mm-hmm. desire for family. So I'm, I'm a big believer in getting your vitamin D levels right before you consider having a child. Definitely. And I, oh, I, I think this is um, probably going down um, a track of some research that I haven't looked at for a little while, but I know that there's a connection between vitamin D um, and neurological development in bub, but also vitamin D, egg quality, angiogenesis, so the blood formation to the, the developing embryo as well. Um, so I think, and also just the fact that the placenta itself has vitamin D receptors um, shows us also that that's important for preconceptive health. Um, I'll have to pull that research out and maybe when we do the episode specific on, vitamin you know, D. all the mm. the many, many um, benefits of vitamin D, I'll have that fresh in my mind so I can tell you about that. Um, and ladies, just on a side note with that, the, you know, traditional medical treatment for PMS is using oral contraceptive, the oral contraceptive pill and also SSRI. So selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which is essentially, um, you know, the, the pharmaceuticals that they use for depression and anxiety and, and those sorts of things. Um, and I just think that that's a little bit of a paradox because we know that um, part of the symptomatology of PMS is that really low mood, so depression and anxiety symptoms, but then we know that the pill exacerbates that as well for some women. Uh, So I just think if we could tick the box of just making sure that we've got one pathway really well under control that's very easy and within our own um, control, and that is something like vitamin D, and if that's going to give you an improvement in your symptoms, then it's a really good place to start. Awesome. All right. So ladies, we hope that you have learned something about vitamin D and PMS Um, tonight. We'll post the research online so you can get really nerdy and have a look at that uh, as well. Um, But you have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. Uh, We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Vaughn and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.